You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of NFT 365. We, of course, are brought to you and sponsored by the Crypto Business Conference. Crypto Business Conference is for those that are looking to level up on all things Web3, NFTs, Metaverse, happening in October in beautiful San Diego. I'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of the podcast. And as I do each and every episode, but before I get to that part, you know, I love to do a throwback and I love to pull in um, you know, NFTs that we're minting, you know, we're, we're doing a podcast every single day for a year, but we're also buying an NFT every single day for a year. And so today is day 272 in a row that we've been buying an NFT. And what's fun is kind of going back into the machine and saying, okay, what, when do we mint this project or when do we add this project? But one of the, the difficulties when I came up with this idea was the parameters that I put around it was the project has to be in the mint phase pre-reveal. So I'm not buying any um, projects that were out prior to November. Um, and if they minted out and it was an instant reveal and I didn't, I didn't get on the whitelist or whatever it may be, it can't be part of our collection. And so there's some projects that maybe have launched, let's just say August of last year, um, that I was, you know, unable to get into the project because it was before the November. But what works out nice is when they actually roll out kind of the, their phase two or derivative or their, or their second piece. And so we're definitely giving a, a shout out to uh, Lazy Cubs, which is part of the Lazy Lion family. And we actually minted them back on May 18th. So May 18th, it was number 188 in our collection. Wow, it's kind of crazy to think that it was almost a uh, little bit less than 100 days ago uh, that the, the Lazy Cubs uh, rolled out. And so that one is in our collection for 188. And um, not only have I been a fan uh, of the project, but, you know, I, I love, you know, I'm a hat guy and I didn't, I didn't have a, a lazy hat in the original Lions. And I, as much as I mint a lot of projects, I mean, every single day for 272 days, my personal bag, I often have to like sell what I mint to go buy the one that looks like me or the one that I like. But I actually minted uh, in my personal bag, uh, one of the lazy hat cubs uh, in this project. So it was like a, it was like a, a little bit of a, a fist pump uh, on that side. And, uh, you know, with that being said, we actually have a fun guest for you today. Uh, it is actually one of the co-founders of Lazy Lions. Asher, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, let people know a little bit about you, and then uh, we'll get into the conversation. Sure. Thanks, King. I'm, I'm uh, excited about this one. Uh, like you mentioned, I'm one of the co-founders of Lazy Lions. We actually just had our one-year anniversary, which is Woo-hoo! pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> Wild times, especially like when you look back at like how crazy the space was and, um, you know, all the events that happened, all the big projects that were around and have come up. Um, but yeah, so we started a year ago. Um, man, it's been amazing. You know, we made a big bet on community from day one. Um, and that, you know, seemed to be one of the winning bets. Um, and I think one of the key bets as well moving forward. So, you know, that that's part of it. Um, man, I mean, there's a, you know, I could talk about what I used to do before 
Lazy yeah, I, I want to get there in a second because, like, you know, it's funny. I went back and looked. And so I, and I don't think I've actually shared this story exactly on there. But um, actually, the Lazy Lion Mint was the first attempt I made of buying an NFT in the mint phase. And I don't know if anyone out there is listening. I did not know about gas and understand it correctly. And so I put in ETH the exact – and, like, here's the part. I added – the exact amount of cash into my exchange, move that into my MetaMask. And I remember that day. And the other part that I just didn't really realize, because I remember Board Ape Yacht Club, I was in Clubhouse when that happened. I didn't expect it to sell out on the first day. Maybe maybe you didn't either. I, I remember being like, oh my God, I was that idiot that people were talking about that didn't factor in gas. And so I remember I went into Coinbase and I added more money and it said it had a 24-hour hold. I was like... We're good. I'll come back in. And I remember it was like that night. I, I remember I, I was something on Twitter and so I scrolled and I was like, does that say Lazy Lion sold out? And that to me is just kind of wild thinking back there. I even went and saw a tweet that said like a uh, lesson learned, uh, just got taught the importance of gas in NFTs. So it's, uh, you know, congrats on the, on the one year. Um, we haven't had anybody uh, on the, actually we had uh, one of the co-founders from, um, uh, from the cats project. What, uh, why? I can't remember what the name of the project now. Yes, got a cats. Yeah, yeah, and so we had them on the uh, on the podcast uh, early on, but uh, you know, a year anniversary. But you know, before we get into lazy lions in that world, take me back. Let's say thirteen months ago. What was okay. Asher, and what was where did like the origin of lazy lions come from? Give us a little bit of that. Yeah. Okay. So like thirteen months ago, um, I'll probably start a bit earlier than that. Hey. So, um, man, I think. It really goes back to when I was 12. I think that's a more relevant part of the story, right? Um, I like I that way back. I mean, you're young, yeah. but I mean, you're not that young. So that is definitely the way back. I like it. <laughs> yeah, man, that way back. And like, I don't know if people think like I'm like a trust fund baby or something weird like that. I don't know. I've seen some like comments like, you know, my parents were immigrants. Like we grew up in Southwest Sydney, lovely place, um, you know, like uh, public housing, welfare. We didn't have much, but like amazing childhood. Um, I played a lot of video games. Me and my co-founder is actually my cousin. Uh, nine. Uh, yeah, we played a ton of RuneScape. I don't know if you remember that game. I do. I do remember that game. Yep. Yeah. And um, man, I got really into like computing. Like that was just one of those things growing up where I was like, you know, this is pretty cool. So I taught myself how to program um, back then. I just messed around with the game. You know, that's what got, re- what, that's what got me really excited. Um, but we also used to sell digital assets back then, though, obviously centralized, right? Because the game owns all the assets. <laughs> Um, so I think we grew up with that idea that, you know, and we would buy them as well. Um, but we always grew up with the idea that people value digital assets. You know, it doesn't matter that it's not physical. You can't touch it. Like, that's not important. What's important is, you know, how people, how it makes people feel, right? Like the value that people get, which is. What, what were some of those digital assets that you were selling? What were, like, give us a, yeah, like, a couple of examples. I'm, I'm talking about like in-game items. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like in-game items. Yeah. So, um, you know, fast forward, uh, I moved into like account management, worked for an American company, uh, computing company. Great. You know, loved it there, did really well, uh, like really, you know, hit my stride and found my passion there. Um, you know, we tr- traveled a lot as well, which was really cool. Met a lot of people. Um, but I've always had that, you know, just wanting to do my own thing. And like, I've tried, you know, like myself and nine over the years, um, you know, we've learned a lot. Um, and then we found out about NFTs, like we weren't, at least myself, I wasn't super big into crypto. It's not, you know, I obviously saw all the waves and stuff in 2017 and everything happened there. But I think the financial side never really got to me. That's not something that, I, you know, ever really appealed to me that much. 
but when we found out about NFTs, which was early 21, um, it clicked straight away. Like for, for myself, I saw the link between gaming and NFTs almost instantly. And, you know, we saw how small the market was. And I was like, tonight, I'm like, this is going to be the next big wave. And like, I have no doubt. Um, so, you know, I was just like, dude, do you want, do you want to just spend all that time on this? And he's like, yeah, fuck it, let's do it. So, you know, we just dove in all of our spare time anyways. We just threw into NFTs, researching it, learning about it. Um, did my, obviously being a big gamer, uh, my man, mind went straight away to let's help gamers create NFTs. Right. Log- first logical step. Um, so we approached a ton of gamers and like no one replied, like no one cared at all. They're like, okay, cool. <laughs> so they're not b- big believers in it. And that's when I first realized I'm like, maybe gaming has a, you know, a fair way to go. Um, so that didn't work. And, um, you know, that was around the time that Bored Apes, CryptoPunks was, you know, really booming. And we were like, that's really cool. Right. And what hit me, it wasn't too much the like, the, um, I guess like the cultural movement and, you know, like the, the flex so much, even though I think those things are obviously important. Um, what really got to me was, you know, how you could build a community, right. And you could, right. you could almost like co-build a brand together. And I'm like, okay, like this is pretty interesting. Um, so, you know, t- uh, taking everything that we learned and just messing around with blockchain tech and all that kind of stuff, we just, yeah, like we, you know, went around with the lines, found some artists um, who have done an amazing job. There's a couple artists uh, that that worked on the have worked on the project over time. Um, they've done great. You know, picking it up. How, how did uh, you How did you come up with that lion idea? The first, like, what was the what was the lion like? The origin of the lion originally? Yeah, good question. So, um, like for us, it was always going to be lions, right? Yeah. I mean, first off, like, who doesn't want to be a lion? Yeah, um, king of the jungle. I mean, I, I, yeah. I, I can I can see that. That makes sense. <laughs> And uh, it's just a big cultural thing for us. You know, my background's Assyrian, um, and, you know, it's a really important part of our, like, heritage. Um, they're shown a lot. Um, so something we always grew up with, and I've just always identified, I guess, as a lion and, you know, going online and, you know, realized a lot of other people too. too so Yeah, I, it was funny. I remember, like, seeing the first, like, kind of promos for Lazy Lions, and I was like, it's genius. Like, you know, from, you know, from the, the monkey to the lion, like th- those two just seem very like, you know, even with people that weren't in this space and you had to like restart it, like those just seem like identifiable, you know, characters. I also love like, you know, it wasn't about the flex for you, although it's lions and we're all kings and queens, right? Like, so it's, it's mm-hmm. funny how like, how that kind of plays into the, the conversation. Um, you know, with the artist, you know, nine being your cousin, you guys had already done some business and things together. Um, mm-hmm. Was there, did you ha- feel like a, a pressure to put it out at a certain amount of time? Like what was the lead up like the last like couple of weeks? Were you ready? Were you promoting it? I, I, I don't remember. I mean, last summer feels like 20 years in this space, but talk to us a little bit about like what were, what were coming some of those decisions of those last minutes before you launched, you know, a year ago? Yeah, I think, you know, definitely the whole, you would even say the past year, there's been obviously a lot of pressure, but that's fine. Like, you know, I think we're like, okay with that. Um, it sort of comes with it, right? Anything that you do important is going to have some kind of pressure on it. So I think we just embrace it. That's fine. Um, it definitely was, yeah, it was very hectic, especially during that launch period. Um, you know, sleep, uh, you know, we ended up just forgetting about how that felt um, that whole time. Um, <laughs> but, you know, looking back at it, it was a really fun time as well. This whole year has been, like, it's been an amazing time. You know, when I look at the, when I see the response from the community, just jumping on Twitter or Discord, like even now, I still just sort of I have to pinch myself a little bit and go like, this is pretty wild. Like we've got something pretty special. And I had that 
you know, I remember very clearly in those first, you know, few days thinking there was something interesting happening in the Discord. You know, people were really bonding in like a really genuine way. Uh, and, you know, this was during pre-launch, obviously. And from then we knew that we really had something special. So. So I'm curious, okay, so, you know, for those that are listening to, like, you know, last summer was such, you know, I've made the, like, I, I make the joke that, you know, a lot of people could sneeze out an NFT project and it would sell out, right? It's a, it was a different time and, like, where things are going. But you were early, early, right? Like, August is, I mean, for those that don't realize, like, there's no way I could have done this project that I'm doing now in August where I'm buying an NFT every single day. I mean, we're doing it across 15 blockchains, so I've minted on a lot of blockchains. But even back then, like, there wasn't four per day dropping on Ethereum. We didn't have IC tools to go look at. There wasn't, you know, like a lot of times it was, you know, what are the three projects this week um, that were kind of coming up? That, I believe that was like kind of August and September timeframe. But I also feel like it was very heavy crypto bro um, money flipping value, right? Like, and and I, I, I make the argument all the time when people are, you know, give people a hard time that got into Bored Apes early. Like must be nice that you minted that early on, I always caveat and say, you, who, who would have held it all of that time? Like for me in the first 45 days, I would have seen that value. I would have been like this monkey picture that I paid 400 bucks for, I'm selling that in a heartbeat. Cause in the times, like, I mean, who would have thought you were getting, you know, a 15 X return in that kind of you know environment. And you couldn't even have predicted, uh, you know, things that would have gone where they've gone. I'm curious, like, as you think about those early days, when you guys launched, like, and, and I, you can kind of share, you know, cause like, roadmaps really weren't that, that trendy back then, right? That wasn't really as much a thing. You know, the word utility was used, but it was mostly like community and the things we have being planned. What did you guys remember? Did you have a roadmap on launch day? Like what were those early ones? And I, I think it, it adds great context for people to realize how far we've come in certain things. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that part that you're referring to is probably a bit earlier than us as well. August was when it started to um, really pump up again. So like obviously timing was a bit on our side too, but then again, you know, like if, when you look back at it, there were hundreds, uh, probably even thousands of projects, you know, yep. coming out that people knew about every single day, right? Um, so yeah, there were definitely a ton of projects at that time. I think a bit earlier, it was a bit a bit slower and there wasn't as many uses of roadmap. But around the time that we came out, yeah, a lot of people were doing roadmaps. Uh, what we didn't see that much was like a big focus on community. Mm-hmm. It, I would say it was more on utility um, and just like really just building up hype on, on a specific part of the roadmap. Whereas like our bet coming in was let's really just focus on engaging the community. So, you know, and when I look back at it, it was really those little things that went a long way. You know, you mentioned the whole everyone being kings and queens and, you know, you think it's such a small thing. Like, you know, what is it? Just somebody saying, hey, king, hey, queen, like who cares? It's not, it can't be that big of a deal. But it's one of those things where... Um, it's it just really sets the culture like when you come into the discord like you know what you're what you're sort of getting from lazy lions right um and yeah, you know vernacular like that matters right like and, and it you know it gives people a sense of feeling um you know like i i say that you know as much as we can you know give people a hard time about gm and and wag me and things there is something about like rallying you know with your people right and i think the you know and i remember you know august september the the Twitter raids that that Lions would do, and I got I got a message here. Someone's like Brian, what happened? You added more ETH. 
Um, well, typical early, you know, me, uh, the next day a project came out, it was called blaze cats. Um, and I went and bought a couple of blaze cats, not thinking I just spent the liquidity that was going to go to buying a lion because you know, these are earlier days. And then all of a sudden it cleared and I was like, well, now I don't even have enough ETH to buy it again. Right. It's like the, it's the degen, <laughs> the degen world of, of chasing shiny objects. Um, you know, and you mentioned, you know, community, right. And I w- I'm curious too, like, you know, as founders with, you know, yourself and nine, what would, what did the team look like early on? And like, as the community started to grow, let's just face it, the demands of managing the discord and Twitter and social and, and, you know, all of us, including lions that, you know, Kings and Queens that are listening are some of the most impatient human beings on the face of the earth, right? We want everything right away. So what did your team look like kind of like in those early days and how have you kind of grown that over time? Yeah, sure. So it was, um, Myself, Nine, um, a couple others. We had Nin, um, Rizio as well, who helped with the art. He was one of the artists as well. Um, so it was us, was, you know, pretty tight, but I guess what you would expect from like a founding team. But like you mentioned, you know, as soon as we launched you know, the Discord overnight, there were like thousands of people, um, you know, some screaming um, in like a good way. Uh, I think most, anyways. So soon after that, we brought on a community manager, actually came from the community, uh, Aaron, nice. who you know, yep. did it who's uh, still in the team as well, has been doing a fantastic job um, of looking after the community as well. But it's really been a big team effort in terms of like managing the community. I think it needs to be, you know, like we've been like, yeah, I don't think there's been a single day where like myself and I, um, Nine haven't spoken about like the community and like, you know, had our thoughts on it. I, I don't think you can ever just leave it alone. Um, of course, I've tried to, you know, over time, like delegate as much as I can to, you know, everybody in the team has a role to play, right? Otherwise, you know, we're not going to reach success. So doing that, um, like you mentioned, you know, the community is an interesting thing. I think the greater NFT community as well. Um, yeah. I think yeah, education. I, I, I mean, the greater, you know, the greater NFT community yeah. as a whole is very impatient. <laughs> and yeah, being yeah. I mean, I, I'm guilty as that as well. So I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> it is what it is, right? It comes with it. Um, I think education goes a long way because, you know, if you look back at what people were, you know, really excited about, uh, I would say, and, you know, messaging us and, you know, some really rampant and like adamant on like, for example, like a token, uh, I'll bring that up. Right. There was oh, yeah. the uh, October, um, you know, a couple of projects started to do the token. There was a lot of noise, particularly around like cyber Kongs, I think, you know, love yep. that project as well. Um, and everyone was like, look at all this money that you can make. And, you know, so understandably people will now discord start going, Hey, like let's drop a token. And, you know, we'd obviously done research on this thing beforehand. Um, and, you know, we'd spoken to people who are subject matter experts. Like I said, myself, I wasn't too big on the financial stuff, but obviously like I understand the tech, I've got like an understanding of the economics to a degree. Um, but I spoke to like some people who are really in the space and they're like, you know, it all comes down to, you know, like who's buying this and why, right? It's like, that's yep. a real big question. Like, especially for those who went through the 2017 bust. Um, and it really comes, that question comes down to like why people are buying it. Like what's the utility? Right. I know it's like one of those words that people throw around, yeah. but it's like, it really is like, what's the point of this token? And, you know, when we looked at like the macro, it was like, it's a bit too early to release a token with true utility right now. Like, sure, we can release a token and we can, you know, promise, you know, the world and Egypt and, you know, as you mm-hmm. know, some do, but like, we've got to be responsible because we actually plan on delivering everything that we do. Right. So we can't just go around saying things that we can't actually deliver. Um, so, you know, dealing with that and having to educate, you know, people in the community and be like, Hey, like, you know, of course, if we could do that, why wouldn't we do that? You know, it'd be great for us. It'd be great for the community. It'd be great for everyone. Um, but we're a long-term project. I've always seen the value in the long term. Sure. There was a big bull, 
Um, but I don't think we've even scratched the surface at what some of these NFT brands can really amount to um, in the long term. So nothing so that... I mean, I, and I will say, you know, I launched ADHD coin on Rally, the side chain, 18 months ago. And I say this openly, it took me eight months to figure out how to, to create utility and a and like a, you know, in our discord, you can trade goods and services and uh, with ADHD coin, we actually, we have a masterclass where people can pay with fiat, uh, or they can actually, you know, use their ADHD coin. And, you know, I bought, you know, a pair of LeBron sneakers that I have, I bought off of someone else using, sending them ADHD coin, but I mean, it took me eight months to figure that out. And, you know, that is its own animal for anyone that hasn't looked at that world. It is, it's another NFT project. And if you're doing it inside of an NFT project, it has a lot of that education, a lot of those variables. There's also a lot of financial risk uh, involved. Like I went with, uh, you know, the side chain that I went with because they're backed by A16Z. They'd already gone through the SEC regulations versus like a, a mainnet one. But something you mentioned, I, I, we, I think this is such an important thing where founders there's a balance, right? Where we, we as owners, uh, and I, I, we, we are very impatient, very demanding, but we're also very believing in like the cause, right? That's why we're there being loud. But we, there's also like this balance of like, how do we, how do we push back, but also listen to where the community wants us to go? How have you looked at that? Cause I mean, for, as a founder for a year, you know, and this is from me from outside, you know, there are, there are waves, right? And there are people that come in that are a whale, they're loud and they're lion pride. And then maybe they're a little butthurt because their one suggestion wasn't taken. Um, they sell their bag and they go somewhere else. And there's like a lot of that is something that I don't think most founders have ever even thought of, like that emotional side, the amount of like education. So talk to me a little bit about that balance that you've had to try to figure out on the needs of the community and the wants versus like, we have to do what's right for the, that, that greater whole. How have you guys kind of balanced that? Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, you just review the ideas as they come essentially. Like we've got an ideas and feedback channel in our discord. Um, you know, our team reviews that and then like it's collated and then, you know, myself and I aren't in the channel. We usually are anyways, like looking at these things, but then it's brought to us like on a regular basis. We do it weekly, um, check out the ideas you know, see if it's, if it's a new idea, if it has any merit, investigate further. If it doesn't, then, you know, why? And, you know, sometimes as much as we can try and educate the, the thing though, is, you know, obviously these things take time and especially during like the bull where like, you know, we were very, you know, um, sure. Like, you know, coin is one thing, but having, you know, like actual, um, human power there and like human resources, that's another thing. Right. So, you know, there were probably times where it wasn't super responsive, um, and, you know, sometimes people take that as, you know, being ignored or whatever, but it just is what it is, right? It's time with the space. Um, I will say overall with ideas, you know, the, there are some trends that I think are pretty obvious, you know, to, to those who are in the space, you know, the future of IP and yeah. what that means by building a decentralized brand, gaming and NFTs, right? These are two already really big ideas that, you know, we're probably going to start to see really big trends um, in, in the near future. Uh but there's going to be a ton of brands who experiment and, you know, and fail, right? And maybe not fail as a project, but fail in their experiments. And that is okay. You know, like yes. we've tried some things. Right? They haven't worked. Yeah, it's encouraged, right? And it's like we've tried some things and, you know, they haven't worked. And then we've tried some things and they've worked amazingly. Right. You know, so it's like it's a balance. I think people have to expect that and be realistic. Um, and I think this, you know, this market at the moment, gives projects and everyone in the community a chance to sort of breathe a bit and go, okay, you know, let's be realistic here. Um, those who believe in what's happening with web three and that it, it is a big trend, um, you know, 
let's be a bit more patient, but of course that's still demand and let's keep experimenting and testing things. Yeah. You know, and I'm curious too, like on that same thought, right? Not only, and the, you know, the IP conversation, you know, it's been a conversation for a while. It just got, you know, thrown into, you know, a bunch of people that are, are, are frustrated with the market and Moonbirds comes out with the, the CCO, uh, decision and all of a sudden, you know, all hell breaks loose. And we've talked about it. I did a whole episode. My background is actually in open source, uh, software. So I've been speaking in that, uh, arena for since 2006, 2008. So like I, I know the pluses and minuses of kind of like that open source uh, play, but we also can look at projects like Moonbirds on the, the way they communicated, or in some cases, the lack of, you know, a strategic communication or involving community in some of those discussions. How are you looking at that? Because I, I have to say, like, as someone that holds a project that has, you know, has lore, it has a very powerful group, you know, seeing someone like Moonbirds take the risk, like, I mean, I tip my hat, you know, we had Kevin Rose uh, on the show on Monday and I loved hearing his take on like, you know, he was, he was owning in, in a sense, the fact that they probably communicated it wrong and they probably misgaged how people were going to see, I would argue they just misgaged the under the education of CC zero more so than anything else. But talk about that from like, so what are the current status of IP rights for lions today? And how are you guys thinking about that? Like long-term? Yeah. So they get the IP rights to their line. There's no cap on that. Um, it's an interesting point that you mentioned. It's something that we faced as well in the past. Communication is key. Yeah. Education is a really big part of that. And again, these, t- these things take time and I can totally like sympathize, right? Like as a, as a founder, pressure is on, especially on time, you know, yeah. and you're, you've got limited resources, you're dealing with partners, you're dealing with day-to-day business stuff, right? Like at the end of the day, there's a company behind this that needs to be managed too. You're dealing with, obviously there's people in the team or all these kind of things that comes with it, of course, but, you know, I, I can totally understand why sometimes, you know, like a, a tweet or a Discord post is sometimes more appealing and be like, yeah, people will understand. And then it's like, whoa, like <laughs> they did not understand. <laughs> when that's happened to us in the past, you just got to own it, right? Like yep. if we make a mistake, like I've got no shame in being like, yeah, like, no, this was a misstep. I never yep. promised anybody that we were going to be perfect, right? Like, right. I think, and I think really- that's, that's a big piece of it, right? Like just owning the fact that you're not perfect, right? And also community members not expecting perfection, right? Like we have to we, we come back to reality. Like I always say like mother Teresa would not consider herself perfect. So uh, anyone else that's like believing that, you know, someone is, is perfect, but you know, like the other part that I think is a tough balance. And I'm curious, you know, like, like I will say lions have done a great job early on. And, and I will give a shout out to Ozark um, from, you know, early on in the fall from just from my point of view, when I was doing a lot of Twitter spaces and social audio, we connected and I loved the, how he was facilitating some things. We can, we can disagree on some other decisions and things that, um, that, that made, but I, I like always like to give credit where credit's due. And I also think there's a, a tough balance for founders on internal, external, right? Like how much external communication and conversations you're having and how much are you in the discord? And I've said for a long while, you know, as someone like when I'm in the discord, I see the, you know, the two of you there, but there's also from like a, a public, a lot of the community members have taken it on, right? It can be the derivative, you know, it can be the, uh, the factions. It can be the, you know, the different, you know, uh, projects that have existed. I'm curious for you, like, how, how have you kind of looked at that? Cause I, I mean, I will say from my personal view, like the last three months, you know, massively active on Twitter, lot, you know, kind of like everywhere in the more, the public facing side. But there is kind of like that balance because like if you're only on public, people are like, why the hell am I holding the lion? Cause you're not even going to get me in the discord. Right. And then if you're only in the discord, people are like, why is my lion price not go up? Cause you're not promoting this externally. How have you looked at that? And can you talk a little bit about the, 
the complications that come sometimes come arise because although it's great that community members take ownership and have like this, like they bring this to the forefront, sometimes community managers taking ownership and representing the brand can lead to like a, a, a misrepresentation in some cases as well. How have you looked at that whole thing? Yeah, that's a great question. And there's like, I think there's two parts to that, right? The first part is how do you manage being inside the Discord, Twitter, aka, you know, internal NFT community versus like the greater Web3 community. For us, you know, we have team members dedicated to the Discord. You know, I mentioned Aaron. We've got moderators as well. You know, and we've got, you know, volunteer mods from the community too. Uh, you know, we've got uh, the Royal Kings and Queens, uh, which is like an accelerated role. And they share out a lot of content and, and all that. And, you know, I, I think the system works pretty well. Uh, yeah. And so that's, that's pretty good. I spend a lot of time, you know, not necessarily always typing and, you know, chatting, but definitely reading and just like keeping up to date on like what's going on. You know, Nine as well, my co-founder, I know he spends a ton of time in the Discord. I've tried to spend a bit more time on social media, like sharing it out. Cause like you said, this is important. It's, it's right. critical that we engage with the greater NFT space, Web3 space. We've got a lot of thoughts, a lot of things that we're working on that I think it's good for us to share that out as well, like things like this as well, right? So yep. it's something that we're looking at doing more. So I think it's very important. Uh, the second question of the community members taking on that role of representing the brand, I think that's you know, it's a really good point. We have seen a lot of cool things just grow organically, right? And you, you know, like you mentioned, we were one of the first ones as well. So it's almost like pioneering with a couple of the other projects and testing things out. And a couple of the really cool things that have come out is I think the community led spaces, you know, since yep. the early days, they've been really cool. Uh, it's yep. a great way for people to like get engaged and share thoughts in real time. Of course, Discord does that, but I don't, I think, you know, chatting to people over voice is a different thing. And, you know, we've seen things like community trade groups, which I think are very interesting. We're having chats um, as well and, you know, understanding and seeing what the potential is there. And, you know, I, I think it ties back into the IP rights. You know, like you mentioned, not everybody's always going to represent it in the best way. Right. And I think we're yet to see how that's going to combine, especially as we start partnering up with, you know, larger companies. We've got, you know, some pretty big partnerships. Um, but I think that's the nature of Web3, right? It's decentralized. Like people are going to try things. It's not representative of the whole brand. Um, there is always the official lazy lines, of course. People can't use the trademarks and things like that. And that's not on because you don't want right. to deceive people. I think that's very important. Uh, but Man, I'm really excited about the the future of IP. Really excited. Like that's a topic that you know gets me going a little bit. So I, you know, and, and just for you know, for context for those that are listening that might not be as familiar with the project itself, right? A hundred million USD traded. Uh, you know, top sixty project based on uh, all time volume. I mean, top sixty. I mean, that's uh, let's you know put it where where it's at, right? Uh, a million sent in uh, raw rewards uh, to members of the community. Um, these small brand partnerships, such as Puma, uh, the Sacramento Kings NBA basketball team, uh, we didn't see that done by anybody uh, you know else early on. Uh, Coinbase, uh, you know, uh, some partnerships with Polygon, of course, Unstoppable Domains, another, you know, friend of, of the community, uh, comic books, collectibles, uh, merch. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that I, you know, I, I mean, kudos. I think all of that is really awesome. And the interesting thing is, you know, Drew and I, you know, this podcast was born, uh, thanks to NFT NYC, the November one, right? The, the one, uh, last November. And I remember we, we were going there excited to meet, some projects that we like loved. And, and, and like, personally, it was like, we were, you know, love crypto dads, what crypto dads represented. We liked the playboy rabbitars and we liked the lions. Right. And so there was kind of like these three groups. 
what we were like kind of surprised were in that at that NFT NYC, there wasn't as much like there was like big blue chip Ape Fest, right? There was like that version, Cool Cats had a thing, but then there wasn't as much like hey, we're going to wear the brand and merch. And, and it had to do with the time, right? Because like not everyone was doing that. There was also like this weird juxtaposition of like, if you didn't have a crypto punk, uh, crypto punk or a bored ape, like it was, there was like a weird, like little bit of a division there. You know, fast forward to this past NFT NYC and like, holy hell, right? It was every party we went to, we were, we were meeting up with, you know, groups of people from the Lions. Now, the flip of that, Crypto Dads, another project that has still always been near and dear to, to my heart. I still own the first one that I minted. That still wasn't the case with Crypto Dads at that event. And to me, that's a, that was like a, a little bit of like, oh, man, I really had hoped you know, they had got that same momentum um, at the IRL event. I'm curious, like as you look back, like can you think of some of the things that – because you mentioned IP, right? IP is about like ownership and being able to take it and do something with. But that also can sometimes – um, segment a community because all of a sudden people take their lion, make their own derivative NFT project, and now they only care about their derivative project and they're not really as invested into the lion group. How do you kind of look at that and like uh, even moving forward? Because I think there's a lot of projects that are making some critical mistakes on dividing and conquering too much and putting too much on like the IRL event. Because in context, you guys floor, you know, floor was, you know, two ETH plus when that event was going on in November. So like just to qualify for everyone that's listening, like even though I didn't see a bunch of lions running around and it wasn't as apparent, the project was, I mean, pumping and it was doing, it was probably, you know, as strong as it had ever been. And, you know, fast forward into the, this event and the fact that it kind of, it had like a different vibe yet still kind of energy there. I'm just curious how you look at that kind of uh, transformation within the community. Yeah. You mentioned the, Crypto Dads as well, cool project. You know, there's been a ton of really, really cool projects. And I think just like with most things in life, especially in the startup world, right? Like there are going to be some that, you know, really hit off um, and then, you know, slow down and then maybe have a resurgence as well. You know, no one knows. Um, and kudos to, you know, all the founders were still putting in the, you know, the hard yards and, you know, in the communities as well. And, you know, there are going to have some that have different trajectories and, you know, some that just never take off as well. Just the nature of, you know, the space and it is what it is. Um, you know, there were a ton of really big projects when we launched as well. And, you know, some of them, you know, aren't here no more, but there are, you know, a ton of new projects who came out of nowhere who were really big and doing some really cool things as well. So I don't think necessarily longevity is, um, I, I still think it's a bit early, like, don't get me wrong. You know, it's been a yep. year now, which feels like 50 years for people in the <laughs> NFT space. Um, <laughs> and we're proud of the fact that it's been very consistent for yeah. lazy lines and, you know, we, we know there's a future in it. But yeah, it's, it sort of just is what it is. Yeah, that, and that consistency is rare, right? Like I think that's a, just, I mean, just to the level set with everyone, right? And it's, I'm not kissing your ass by saying that. I'm just saying like, when you look at a lot of projects, right, there have not only been, you know, shifts. And, and I, I'm curious too, like one of the things, like you could mention like the celebrities and big names that are in the project, right? From uh, Des Bryant to the Josh Hart to, I mean, big names from Chuck Liddell. Um, and, you know, I will also say, I know for our listeners, uh, you know, it's, Lions are one of the project that, you know, I probably... I can probably get 50 messages from DMs that people, the first project they bought was a lazy line because of the podcast, which the funny part about that is they were buying and I didn't own one at the time. Right. So like, is that it was, I was a fan and believed in, in what was being built in the fall of last year, but it was currently not uh, an owner, but they saw that as like, you know, and I would say that one of the things that I loved that, especially feeling it from the outside was there were a lot of people that brought in their network 
right? It was a lot of word of mouth. Like, Hey, like I'm, you know, so like I would, I would be like, Oh, you're in lions. They're like, yeah. And so are these 10 people that I brought in. I'm curious, like, how did you have like, were there any lessons that we could teach other projects on kind of growing a community of not the same individuals, but like-minded individuals? Cause I think that's probably, in my opinion, the reason that sustainability has really been your guys kind of magic weapon. Yeah, uh, for sure. I think, there are a couple parts to that, right? Because, you know, community members come and go. So it's about how do you keep that culture in line? And, you know, I go back to it. I think, it, you know, there are some of those key things. You know, everybody treats each other with respect. We've got those community values that are out there and published. You know, we've got them as stickers in the Discord as well. So, you know, of course, we've got team members dedicated to this as well and, and moderators and, and things like that who, you know, that I think goes a long way too. And, you know, I think this even, you can even see it in our roadmap. You know, for example, like when we look back at it, you know, you mentioned a million dollars USD in rewards given out. And, you know, even though when you, you divvy that up among, amongst the community members who are eligible because it's a rewards program, you know, it's obviously it's not, you know, millions to each individual, but it goes a long way in showing that, you know, the community really is key to this. And that's why there is this rewards program, right? And it ties into the whole ethos and our values and everything that we're sharing. It's not just all talk. We're actually like backing it up too so you know key things like that involving the community and decisions along the way had a ton of spaces i think there's all little things that play up in a bigger picture of you know making sure that culture is intact um and you know which is really the cool part of our focus for the first you know for this first stage i'd even say the first year just you know community engaging community building let's get that base there first then we've got a couple exciting stages next you know one being the ip stage as well gaming is there too uh, that's something that I don't think anybody in the space is really tapped into, but yeah, I think that's going to be really exciting. I love that. I love that. Um, you know, a couple other things, and I tell you, Lions coming in strong. You know, a lot of people in the chat, uh, the live chat that are watching, that are talking about like, hey, I was in in August. I was there the first week. I was there. Uh, you know, and like to me, like I've always said, like you know, I think we even have to find better ways to reward those that like are original mentors or those that originally were in the project and have held that you know for such a long time, like there's not enough projects that have really been like, wow, those are like legit ride or die. Right. Cause there's, I mean, this market has been uh, even as good as it was, right. There's it, for those that think like the bear market is where like a projects can also like, you know, lose steam or divide. Let's also face it. The bull run when it's taken off and all of a sudden there's money available for you to you know sell out of a project. It tests your love of that project. Right. Because you're like, wait a second, I bought in for 500 bucks. I can, I can sell it right now for 11 grand. I mean, that's legit like money. And so, you know, like that is also one of those things that I have two questions that I kind of wanted to pull in here. Um, one of them is around um, kind of rolling out like the phase two project. So you guys rolled out the Cubs. We mentioned uh, Cubs where we minted it on the 18th of May. I think was, that was the day uh, that I think it was first like a, a public mint. Um, and, you know, for projects rolling, it's, it's definitely the trendy thing to do. Kudos to you guys not doing it like in November because the pressure was there. I remember the pressure being like, when, when, when is our mutants? When are we going to get something to drink? And, um, and because like everyone, you know, forgets that like board ape also took, you know, eight months to launch their ape coin yet any project that launched last fall, one month after you launched, they wanted your coin, right? Like it was like, wait a second, if you guys taken that long, like let's give some uh, bandwidth, but we've also seen, you know, and, I, and I've said this since day one, this is like something I've been preaching since 2014, the hardest thing to do is scale trust and community, right? Scale it and think about it from a Facebook group to an online forum. Like we've all been a part of like really great ones 
And all of a sudden they get bigger and they get bigger and you lose touch. And all of a sudden you're like, well, it used to be good because like, you know, everyone knew everyone's name or like that kind of feeling. I, I was excited about the Cubs, you know, coming out, but I would also just like, if we reverse engineer back over the last year and all of these projects, that expansion creates like an interesting thing. Cause there are people that have wanted to be in the lions for many months, but the barrier to entry was too high from a financial piece, but yet they were able to come in and mint at a lower entry. There's also the flip side of it. If people are like, wait a second, like, I don't want people in here. I'm, I'm the person that's been in the lions since day one. Like, don't come in and let these people in. How did you guys approach that? And like, what are some of the lessons? Cause I'm really scared for a lot of future projects that like their only main utility is their second and third and fourth drops. And I don't think they're weighing in all of the things that, you know, founders have to weigh in. It's a good point, right? And we've seen a lot of projects do that and then, you know, lose a lot of steam as well. I think Cubs for us, you know, we, that was released during a bear market, right? And, you know, the, the original collection, I think, sold out in just under five hours and then Bungalows was 15 minutes and then, you know, uh, Cubs, even in a bear market, was over a weekend, which shows the demand. Like, lazy, you know, um, you mentioned it yourself, like with the trading volume and everything like that. I think those are good metrics to gauge the demand that the brand has had, um, which is great. You know, like extremely humble and like grateful as well for all that. Um, but you're right. Like, I think it is something that, you know, people have to look at the numbers and go, like, is this the right move for the brand right now? It's definitely harder in these times as well. And it's like, well, what's the purpose too? you know, growing the community, I think is very important. You know, you want to make sure that you get more of the right um, people in. So, you know, I see that a bit differently. I don't think it's a bad thing to have more community members. Sure, there might be some people, especially with the flex, but it is what it is, right? Like, that's the, you know, there might be some projects out there like, you know, like CryptoPunks or something. Um, I mean, Yugo owns them now, but, right. you know, where it's just 10,000 and there's no need to, they're not going to expand, yada, yada, even though Mebits, so it's probably not the best example, but um, just one of those things. I think you have to align yourself with the project. So if you look back, you know, like, you know, because I mean, I remember, I believe it was October, November, the pressure was there for launching, you know, some sub subsection, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I will personally say I was, I was the one advocating for the, the, the queen's side of the house of a, of a female uh, version of the, of the PFP, uh, not only girl dad, but there were some people I was welcoming in and I really wanted them to get into lazy lions, but just from the, like the art side of it feeling more masculine than they, you know, and and we can look at that as like all projects, right? And anyone that knows, I've talked about, about crypto punks, right? Like crypto punks didn't allow the female traits to have a hoodie or a smile. Most people don't know that, right? And like, and there is only uh, 25% of the collection were female of crypto punks versus 75 uh, were male. And so like a lot of this is like train, change trends. But if you look back at like over the, and that, it's not like regrets, but like, how do you look at like the, that progress of like, dropping like maybe the cubs or maybe it was a, like a female uh pfp version of it like were there certain things that are like man if we would have done that last month it would have been interesting like do you is there anything like that you can think back over the last year that like were were things that you're like okay we, we could have but you know we're, we're, we're moving forward um i mean i think there's yeah there's been some times where it's been like that we're like hey maybe if this had a launch at this moment and had it done this but you know hindsight's 2020 right yeah. you know it, it is what it is we're you know we're pioneering in a new space I think overall, like if you look at the numbers and like where the community's at and this general sentiment, I think we've probably done more right things than wrong. And, uh, sure. you know, there's, uh, so yeah, definitely. But moving forward, I think, you know, you mentioned Cubs and, you know, Lionesses and all these things. You know, the way I see IP and why it gets me really excited is because I don't think we've seen it 
exploited just yet in the space. But I agree. You know, Completely. Having conversations. Yeah. Like, you know, other people are having conversations as well. Like this is a big topic for founders and projects. And, you know, you almost have to think about like, if you think about like Spider-Man or, or Superman or Batman, right? Like I'm a big Batman fan. Yep, um, Joker. Like I could describe any of these characters, one or two sentences, name a couple traits and you'd be able to go straight away. Like, you know, that's Batman, that's Superman. And, you know, they almost like pass the test of time. And there's so many different interpretations of these characters, right? You see them all over media, you know, movies, you know, short films, animations, comics, whatever it is, you know, toys. And like the possibilities are really endless. And what's cool about where we're at right now is, you know, in the previous world, that was done obviously centralized. It was really right. controlled, right? But now we're in a space where almost like what happened to you know, like TV broadcasting with YouTube where it almost like democratized, decentralized. And at the beginning, everyone was like, ugh, like who's going to watch other people do, you know, random shit, but it became more more professional. We're starting to see that stage right now, I think, or we're about to where it's, we're decentralizing IP ownership, right? And yeah, sure. We're going to see, you know, some stuff which is like homegrown and it is what it is. But over time, you know, especially as incentives are aligned because people have the IP rights, we're going to start to see better and better things. And of course, you've got the main, you know, the company behind it as well. You know, we're working on things, of course. We've got things in the roadmap too. Some things on, some things not, um, you know, for the future. And so I think that's a really big, I think that's a really big thing that we're just, you know, just scratching the surface of right now. I know for everyone listening and, you know, and the lions that are listening to this as well, we need more use cases of IP being used, right? Like it can't be just, Board Ape, you know, I know V Friends has done a couple. They have a, there's a Vitamins out that, you know, is now that one of the, uh, you know, V Friends holders kind of got approved. But like, I mean, that's what we, I mean, we, we really need that. And like, I mean, that was my argument in the CC0 discussion with Moonbirds. Like, I mean, there was really only four people that spoke up that I saw that were moving towards an IP, like actual use case. There was a lot of people that were like, well, that's what I was doing. But like, saying that we're going to use it until we actually start seeing it being like implemented at scale. And I, I, I think it's exciting for everything from, you know, logos of brands to physical products to, I mean, I mean, you look at uh, Ape in Productions, like I'm a big uh, Timberland uh, fan. And when Timberland launched Ape in Productions with his board Ape um, as like kind of the, the face there, I was like, that's genius. It's on the record. You know, it's on the, on the merch side of the house. Uh, so for those that are listening, like we need more of those because that also will kind of breed some of uh, the innovation. Um, one other thing I wanted to ask you real quick before I, I let you go, and I appreciate you jumping on. Uh, you know, you were you are, early on. I had reached out and said, hey, I want to get you on on the podcast. And we're like, hey, we're going to make it work. And thankfully, we got to hang out some uh, in New York. And, uh, you know, we weren't going to let you go. I was trying to get the roar sign uh, for those that uh, don't remember. Actually, I'll throw a little video on. We have a little we have a little video clip I'll throw right here for those that are watching on the on the video side. But there's this like awesome event that the team put on there uh, in New York that many of us were at. And I was trying uh, Carter and I were, were trying really hard uh, to get, uh, you know, Asher to give us the uh, the sign to take home back to our <laughs> back to our place. Um, and I, I, mean, I love all of those pieces. But the, the one other question I wanted to ask was one of the trendy things at the moment is also just the idea of options to burn your NFT or burn to get rewards or burn to get a, a, another piece. Um, and then there's also the, kind of like the staking side of the house. When, when you look at all of those mechanics, how important is, is it for you to like look at them from like all sides? So- like how do you, how are you looking at that? Because I think there is something unique about shrinking the supply in a, in a strategic way, right? Because like even the people that don't want to burn, 
they're still impacted by those that burn and, and mostly in a positive way where now the supply is shrunk. How are you looking at that kind of like as possible use cases? Because I think pe- most people are only looking at like more more PFPs, more people in our Discord, more things. But I think there's a way to kind of shrink back and also grow at the same time. How are you looking at that as a whole? Yeah, we're, we're monitoring what people are doing, of course, like with everything else in the space. Um, you know, we've seen a few different imp- implementations of this. I think it always goes back to the question of why and, yep. you know, how does this fit in with the greater thing? We've got diamond pores, you know, which yep. is, uh, I think, pretty cool. And, you know, it's on brand and things like that, too. It's a bit different. It's not staking necessarily. Um, but, yeah, there's nothing that's really popped up as, you know, being a critical reason as to why. But, again, it's one of those things where people need to experiment, right? And yep. um, I think there are enough people right now trying it out. So it's one of those yeah, things I think to monitor. I- that is the beautiful part, right? I know like uh, Psychedelics Anonymous is doing the trade sharing, right, within their marketplace where you're going to be able to, um, you know, list your trade from your NF, you know, from your uh, PFP and, and sell it or trade it with someone else's one. And I think there's some cool nuances in there, but there is that question of like why and like what percentage of your holders are, are going to take into that. Um, you know, I, you know, last thing I'll, I'll say before, uh, you know, we shut this one down for this episode you know, the partnership thing that is just really undervalued, underlooked at for people, right? There aren't people that have partnered with brands like Puma and the Sacramento Kings. Can you talk a little bit about like, like how did, how did that look for like, how does that work for you guys? And like, what, what really, what was the language? Cause like a lot of projects might have the right brand and the right like connection. And you know, if MGMs, I have, I know two people that are very high up in MGM resorts. Um, I, I've pinged them already before on the fact that the, the Lions are like the biggest no brainer collab ever. But for the ones that you've been able to collaborate with, what were some of like the, the ways that you found common ground that they said, okay, hey, we'll come on board with you? Cause I think that could really help, you know, our listeners on, on those that are looking to you know, add partnerships to their NFT project. Yeah. I think like the proof is in the pudding, right? Like before we even spoke, like the stage was, really set you know they knew obviously see the numbers which is one thing but the emphasis that we had on community and that's the big thing for them too it it was really about building community they're not coming into it like our partners that you know that we have at the moment none of them were coming into it as like a this is a revenue play for us right now it might be you know in the long term but right now it isn't right and you can see that by their actions as well like no one's trying to go and you know do um you know like cash grabby kind of stuff at least at least yet right um you know, obviously, um, but so I think that's really important. And, you know, when we get to meet and they know that we're serious about this, you know, obviously there's a team behind it, um, really dedicated to it. Uh, it just sort of flows from there. It hasn't really been a, a struggle for us. And, you know, the conversations that we're still having with them, there's some exciting things. These are big companies, right? Yeah. Things don't happen straight away. I think the, you know, especially when we're doing that bull, people are like, oh, great. Like, let's go and, you know, take over the world now. It's like, all right, let's, um, let's take a step back. You know, anybody who's done, you know, any type of account management, you know, biz dev or sales or anything like that understands like the stakeholders involved, especially in a new area like Web3, right? So, you know, the, the legal stuff is like the least of it all. So, um, yeah, it, pretty straightforward for us. I like that. Yeah, I, I will say I, I was ex- I was hoping for like a Sacramento Kings, you know, collab product line, you know, at the basketball game, right? There could be something really cool there where I could see, you know, that onboarding and I mean, just the education opportunity. Like, you know, let, let's let's go educate every person at the Sacramento Kings game uh, on NFTs, like talking about a, a mass adoption play. Uh, for those that are listening that want to learn more about uh, the Lions, they put out a really great Medium article on the first birthday, uh, kind of sharing the journey, some of the things that, that exist. I'll link that. Um, below in the show notes as well. 
Uh, as always, do your own damn research. Uh, this is not not financial advice, but uh, you know, I love making sure kind of leading people uh, down that way. So uh, lastly, you know, send us off with, you know, what are, what are some things that you're excited about? Maybe things that uh, you can, you're looking forward to uh, as we push forward and then uh, we'll get out of here. Yeah, man. I think really simple for us, community, IP, gaming, you know, we've actually seen an uptrend or an uptick in like market share for us, which is, you know, one of the things that we, you know, sort of gauge and see like how's lazy lines doing, which I think makes sense for the space because people are starting to realize, you know, those projects that are just coming out and minting, that's not happening so much. That sort of gold rush era. Um, so people are almost like cons- consolidating to some of the bigger projects, which is great for us because we've got a long-term view. So that's been all good. But yeah, IP, gaming, community, um, those are the things and long-term. That's, it's been true since day one and, you know, it'll continue to be true. Now, you didn't give us a date on the lioness or anything, but I'm not going to you know force that alpha out of you or, or go down that way. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I couldn't do that part on this. But, yeah, I appreciate, you know, the candor, uh, you know, for our listeners, right, the, the beauty of bringing on founders, bringing on people that have been on the journey is, you know, we also have to recognize that not only are we all human, we're all learning this whole thing together, right? There's no, there was literally no playbook. Uh, there still really isn't a, really a playbook per se, right? There's, you know, we're, we're innovating. You know, I appreciate when we, when I interview founders, there's one thing for a founder to be like, they want to jump on every shiny object that scares me more so than a project that doesn't want to adapt at all. Right. Because if they're you know jumping on every shiny object and doing everything that everyone wants, how are you staying to that core mission or that core purpose? And I think a lot of projects that did that over the fall and this early of this year are disappearing right now. Like if you look, if we go back and reverse engineer, it's because they spread themselves too thin. They forgot their their mission and their values and their core beliefs. And so, you know, Asher, I give you a, a lot of credit and kudos on that. Like, you know, I was going to push for the, you know, certain things and I appreciate the, hey, we're listening, we're learning, but we also, you know, understand our core beliefs. And I think that's where the community is as strong um, as the Lions community is as a whole, you know, the uh, the Cubs, Cubs included in that. So for all those that are listening, uh, you, know, always, you know, definitely check out our sponsor as well. It, we will be in San Diego for the Crypto Business Conference, October 9th to the 11th. Uh, I'm excited to be the opening keynote on uh, day number two. Uh, and I believe if you look at some of the promo graphics, it's actually my lion uh, is what is being used as the uh, as the promo that is out there. It was actually my lion was on the on New York Times, uh, New York uh, billboard uh, as a speaker there at the event because that's what that's the one I used for uh, NFT NYC. So it's kind of funny how all those synergies. But uh, yeah, definitely check out Crypto Business Conference at socialmediaexaminer.com slash NFT365. Of course, that will be uh, down below uh, in the show notes as well. So for uh, Asher, thanks again for uh, coming on and hanging out with me. This was a lot of fun. We'll have to do it again soon. Thanks for having me, King. All right. Cheers, everybody. Make it a great day. The Mint 365 Collection 100-Day Countdown is on. We're counting down to November 11th when we'll auction off all 365 NFTs as one collection, including a custom mosaic of all the art. Want to bid on this one-of-a-kind Web3 time capsule? For details, keep listening to NFT 365. If you found this helpful, let us know by leaving a review. Like, subscribe, share, and do all of those good things. We are greater than me, and as always, the show is over.